Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we are inviting you to experience Rhythms of Grace, a season dedicated to discovering spiritual disciplines and learning together how to connect with God and enjoy being in His presence more. Today on the podcast, we have Bart Eisen, who is a lead pastor in Wingham and a work friend's favorite. Today, Bart teaches us about Sabbath, the scriptural basis for it, and how it can bring us healing and connection with God. He talks about what Sabbath is and what it is not. We hope it makes you excited to practice. Thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We love you. Amen. Welcome back. This is the first time you've actually recorded with like us with a real setup because the first time we recorded was during lockdown yep. online. Yep. And then you recorded with Eric and Kim. Yep. But oh, this yeah. is your first time actually doing like a real recording with us. That's true. So, and true. listeners can't see it, but Bart is wearing his work friend sweater. It's so true. He's a real work friend. It's true. Representing. He's moved on from us. And I think a real friend, a friend too. Friend. Well, I think I think we're real friends too. Is that the, you, you that. moved, I, so you upgraded. That's right. Work oh. friend to real friend. That's right. There was no confusion about work. Whereas mm-hmm. you guys still live in that ambiguity. You okay. Don't okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 One of you has to move away to prove it. That's what has to happen. You I'm make Jen cry if you say that. <laughs> don't, and it would be so sad if this if, if it affected your work or this podcast. Well, you so. know what, Ainsley? When I came to work today, Ainsley told me that she had a dream <laughs> that we weren't friends anymore. What? Was yeah. she kind of bitter towards you? Because I know, like, when spouses wake up with a, a bad dream about their spouse, they're like angry at them for the day. Was it like I that? had that once with Ainsley. <laughs> Apparently, I threw under the bus, and her job was like she could have been fired. I was like at the brink of getting fired because she. Me. I don't I don't know what though. Like I don't I don't have any details about what it was that happened, this big thing, but that I was gonna did. lose my job because Jen ratted you out. I don't I think that she blamed me. Oh. There's <laughs> no I, about right, I, eh? I, I confessed <laughs> to her because I was like, this was a dream. I said it didn't make any sense and I don't think this about you. So there's no subconscious weird thoughts towards you in it. So here's I where just, we're at. We're not even re- we're not real friends and we're not work friends either anymore. <laughs> After the dream, yeah, no. <laughs> You're like mad for a day. Did you mm. buy her flowers to? No, <laughs> there's still time. You didn't even buy me my coffee. <laughs> I'm subtly creating rifts here. Stop. Maybe this is a mistake. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're gonna do some fun facts. Classic. Okay. So first off, how would you spend a free day? I've thought about this, and my ideal free day um, would be time with my wife and kids for a little bit in the morning and hanging out and then time with just Tina for a day. Like if I could get rid of the kids for a little while, like I love my kids, obviously the start of the day with the kids yes. and they're, they're fun in the morning, they're cranky as stink in the afternoon. <laughs> so in the morning I'd hang out with my wife and kids and, you know, grab a great breakfast. And then in the afternoon we'd ditch them with somebody and uh, we'd go on a date, uh, dinner date, watch a movie. That's like, and if it could be stretched out to an overnight, that would be awesome. Like camping or something with just her. I don't even remember what it's like Mm. to just camp with just her. That would be Mm. beautiful. Yeah. And then if it was extended beyond that, then I'd take a day trip and visit some of my boys, some of my guys. Um, I have two friends that are really close, Josh Wilhelm in in Manitoulin and Matt Houle in Carlton Place near Ottawa. 
and I'd hang out and drink a beer and some coffee and just hang out all day with those guys. Mm. That'd be the number two. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that those, both of those days are very doable. Yeah. It's like not some extravagant, like me of like my dream to go to Portugal and whatever else that like is a little more far reaching, but those are like ordinary good days. Yeah. I don't, I used to have more of those dreams. Like I want to go somewhere. It's not that life's gotten bad. It's gotten better. I think I just, <laughs> it sounded really depressing. I think it's just more like I, and I'm going to sound so old and yeah, whatever. Take it with a grain of salt. But as I get older and, and as I've experienced, uh, Day upon day of busyness and lack of sleep. At times, the yeah. things that you that you crave is just a quiet day with the people you love, mm-hmm. right? Like it. There's uh, somebody in my congregation who who had um, one of those you know palliative um, assessments where they're they're basically they have four to six months to live, and I'm kind of asking myself, well, what would I do with four to six months? And the answer is is like I'd want to be around the people I love, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, forget traveling here, there, everywhere, going to a certain concert. It's like, no, I I would want to spend those times cherishing the people you love, right? Mm. In nature, particularly. I think quiet without, like, distractions. Yeah. I know it makes me sound like an old person, right? No, it doesn't. Sit I on the back porch. Yeah. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and life moves at such a frantic pace. I mean, that's the reason we're talking about Sabbath, right? Yeah. That you're like, that you... The beauty of Sabbath is that it allows you to recognize, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it allows you to recognize what is important, mm. right? Yeah. So. Well, I feel like this, I'm curious if this ties in, and I've we haven't asked you this question before, so I'm interested to hear your answer, and that's if you could have dinner with three people that are alive, who would they be? That are alive. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. <laughs> yeah, I think um, they would be friends. Like, I, initially, when I thought about this, I, I said the friends that I mentioned, but I kind of heard some of your podcasts, and I thought, well, I also would love to like talk to a few theologians because mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. So, um, I would love, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Calvin's one of them. Yeah, shocker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin, and then David Platt, he's living. Mm-hmm. I really like him. I've always liked his stuff. And then um, uh, it was a toss up between Tim Keller and A.B. Simpson. I think I would go A.B. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, A.B. Simpson was was one of the earliest uh, people, part of the Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s in Canada. He was a Presbyterian minister. And then he went Alliance. So he's part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, But I just have so many questions for him about that experience, being from a Reformed background and then having those charismatic revivals and experiencing that. Mm, Yeah. I I think it would be because I'm like... I, like, enjoy listening to other people have, like, theological conversations, but I'm not, like, a deep, like, intellectual thinker. Like, I like to think about things, but, like, I love watching people who are, like, really into that and, like, have studied a ton and like to have, like, like, not debates, but just, like, really curious conversations with each other and like like I just think that I would love to be fly on the wall for that conversation because I'd be like this is a really neat space yeah I've like you know when I hang out with those two guys that I mentioned with my ideal day <laughs> it's embarrassing but literally though <laughs> like particularly with with Matt the whole day is just talking theology like other people would be so bored and they should be rightfully it's not very practical <laughs> Um, but yeah, we literally just hash out different beliefs and doctrines and he like, he asks the best questions about like, what do you think of this doctrine or how do you think of this? And da, 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 da. Like literally the whole day is eating, stuffing our faces and talking theology. And that's like a good day. Like those are the days that get me through the year. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's fun. 
uh, and a little bit useless because if theology isn't practical, what good is it, right? So mm-hmm. it's fun and it's good once in a while, but it's definitely not a place I would want to live in. Mm. So Yeah, fair enough. Uh, if you were not a pastor, what would you do? Oh, yeah. I think I think the answer for me is pretty obvious, professor. Mm. It, I would love to teach theology. That would be my dream. Like one of my favorite things as a pastor is teaching my pastor's class where we mm. go through our creeds and confessions and talk about different doctrines and compare different doctrines. I just love that stuff. Um, I'm not the I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I, I guess, I don't even know if that's the right way to put that, the most productive tool in the shed. Um, <laughs> sharp, so who cares if tool's sharp? You don't always need a sharp tool. But I, I, I just like... I that stuff is is fascinating to me and, and different beliefs on subjects. I love teaching it. What I what would hinder me from doing that job is the PhD. Mm. I'm still too exhausted from the masters <laughs> to even think about that. So it's like if I could be a professor with just the masters, that would be the ideal job. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean that's pretty obvious. Either that or farming. I was like, I was, I when you said it's pretty obvious, I was like, is he gonna say farmer? <laughs> and then you said that, and I was like, oh yeah, that 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 works too. So. Yeah, yeah, farming. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, it'd be nice to just sit in the tractor mindlessly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you've had some different life changes since last time that you were on. So tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you in this season. Yeah, so I guess. Um, I've been on the podcast before, and, and when I was on the podcast before, I was a youth pastor. Um, although the last podcast I did, I knew that I was taking a call. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else did. Um, but I was, uh, but I am now a lead pastor at Maitland River Community Church in Wingham, which is about 25 minutes northwest of Listowel, uh, a little more rural. And I've uh, been doing that for the last seven or eight months. And it's, it's a wonderful, like charismatic, community-oriented uh, little Christian Reformed church about 120 to 160 people and um, super missional, like constantly missional, new converts regularly, new people every week. Like it's a, a great church, love leading it, love preaching. That's what a lot of what I do, preaching and developing leaders and mentoring people and creating vision. Um, it's pretty It's pretty early stages. Like early in this job is a lot of figuring out what they do, how they do things, Um you know, bumping up against what they've done before and figuring out how to do things a new way. And um, I absolutely love it. Like youth ministry was beautiful and I, I always will have, always have a heart for youth. Um, but this job has been uh, more challenging in ways. Like there's definitely been a level of spiritual attack that I hadn't experienced before mm. uh, and a level of stress and responsibility. But on the flip side, I'm out a lot less nights a week and um, have more time for my family. And I just love it. Like I, I, uh, this church is super supportive and it's been really good. We live in a little village called Belgrave, mm. which growing up, hearing about that town, I had a friend who lived there. So I was like, what a weird place, a weird <laughs> na- place, like weird ta- name for a town. And yeah. I, anytime I make fun of a place, I end up there. Like it's <laughs> universal. I made fun of Listowel before I got here and I lived here for several <laughs> years. So next place I'm making fun of is like the Bahamas or something. Um, <laughs> strategic complaints. That's right. But it's been really great. Belgrave, I live on the end of like this street across the road. There's a bit of farmer's field, which... Uh, I find really pleasant. It's got mm-hmm. a balcony, which was the dream. Tina and I always had a dream to have a balcony and a fireplace, and the house has both. Mm. Cool. So it's pretty sweet. Yay. Yeah, I can't beat it. It's way better than the house I had in Listowel. <laughs> that was a great house, too. Yeah, so it's been really good. Loving that job. Um, definitely felt called to it. It's uh, It's been really good. Looking for, for staff, which I'm excited about. Like, I'd love the idea of mentoring other mm. staff mm-hmm. people, and we're looking for a children's director and youth director, and... I'm excited about that. 
like I hope and pray God brings the right people along to kind of work alongside and mentor. Because one of the things I missed the most about my last job was working with two other great pastors. Mm. So, yeah. That's so cool. One of my favorite things about Wingham, aside from you and Ben being there, is Frosty Queen. Yeah. yeah. That's like every... every you cannot <laughs> talk about Wingham at all without mentioning Frosty Queen. Yeah. That's like the, the main tourist attraction, which I find to be deeply sad. Because every time I sit in there, I'm like, this this is what everybody talks about. Uh, it's not a bad spot. It's a great spot. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, that's just, yeah. The know. highlight of Wingham. There's some really great restaurants there. Like, I... I actually think Castings and the Riverview Restaurant is some of the best eaten. Hmm. Like, I would pick those restaurants over a lot of the ones in Listowel. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like a huge competition, but... <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no. And, to, and to, to pick those two, it's not like they're the best restaurants in the earth either. Like, we're still in, like, <laughs> farm country towns here. But anyway. Anywho... Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, you're already alluded to it, but we are going to be talking about Sabbath today, which is very exciting. So um, start us off. Just maybe just give us a brief intro into what Sabbath is. Sure. Uh, Sabbath actually starts with uh, the fourth of the Ten Commandments, uh, which are found in a few places in the Old Testament. Exodus 20 is the most common. Um, but basically it says that the, the Lord wants you to make sure you observe a Sabbath, which is a day of rest. And in the Old Testament mindset, that was Friday night in the evening to Saturday night in the evening. It was an entire 24-hour period where you didn't work. Um, and historically speaking, it was a rebellion to the culture around it. Um, mm. If you've read uh, Walter Brueggemann's book on the subject, he, he talks about the fact that Sabbath is was God's way of setting himself apart from the Canaanite gods. The Canaanite gods were all about fertility and production. The Egyptian god Pharaoh was all about production. We can tell with the societies he created. He wanted them to work 24-7. God set himself up as the opposite of those gods by valuing rest and allowing everything to operate out of rest. And, of course, it starts earlier than that in Genesis 1 when God creates the world, and on the seventh day he rests, right? He models it. It's not like God needs rest, but he creates that model for us, um, so yeah, it's a day that we take to rest, and uh, it's uh, it's debated whether or not it's still a command for us as New Testament Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, those of us who'd lean towards legalism would say it's still a command. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's a moral requirement. And others would say, no, it's uh, more of a spiritual discipline, and you'd be stupid not to have a Sabbath rest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I don't know... It's like, I find it intriguing to ask people like that grew up in church, whether their churches were like big on Sabbath. Cause like mm -hmm. my family, we always like Sundays were like one of the busiest days of the week for my family because we are all, my mom always did stuff with kids and my dad always did worship stuff. So we were always like busy, busy and yeah. we would do small groups on Sundays. So like I had to babysit all the time and like yeah. stuff like that. So like it wasn't really like a, it was like a special day. Like we weren't allowed to like have jobs on Sundays and things like that. But like, mm -hmm. yeah. And then I remember having a friend in high school and like, um, she was like floored that we would go shopping on a Sunday, go to a store on a Sunday. And you're like, oh, like that was just like a new thing for me. Cause I'm like, oh, like some people don't go to Swiss Chalet on Sundays after church or something. You know what I mean? Christian like, chicken. Yeah, that was yeah. my, that was my family. Yeah. Like you, you. Didn't go to stores on Sundays? Mm -mm. Or, okay. No shopping, no yeah. grocery stores. Yeah. No. Yeah, that would have been my upbringing, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, I grew up in a, you know, well, in a uh, Dutch immigrant home. Is that one of the questions that you asked? But what my experience is with it? 
Uh, well, I didn't really ask, but I'm curious. Like, yeah, it will come up a little bit about, yeah, that's because you, yeah, you would have grown up. Maybe you have a different perspective on it than you did back then. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I grew up on a, on a, uh, in a farm context and it was very traditional and Sundays were like a big deal. You didn't work on, on Sunday, even the weather was nice and it was harvest season, which drove my dad crazy. Sometimes <laughs> you are not to work and you, you didn't, um, you didn't do anything you didn't need to do. So you didn't cut the lawn. You didn't, um, like w- we would intentionally the night before do more chores in the barn so that our Sunday chores feeding the animals was minimal. It's the least we had to do. Mm. Uh, very legalistic. Like I remember my brother one time, he after church went and bought McDonald's fries and tried to hide them for my parents. They <laughs> were very upset mm. uh, because you were not to buy stuff either. Like it was yeah. a societal thing. Like uh. you, you bought food that was making people work, yes. which is breaking Sabbath. Mm. And actually, truthfully, historically, Canada and the U.S., U.S. had what's called blue laws for many years in the United States, those laws prohibited you from working on Sunday. And we even would prohibit you, some states would prohibit you from driving certain distances mm-hmm. on Sunday. In fact, there's a story that Peter Cesaro says in his book about one of the presidents getting fined and stopped because he drove too far in Pennsylvania when they had rules about driving. Interesting. Um, so it used to be actually societally yeah. widely accepted that you yeah. just didn't work on Sunday. And in fact, Listowel, let's be real, it's still quite like this. It's mm-hmm. true. A lot of places Like go are downtown closed. Sunday. Is anything open? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I grew up that like very traditional like like I remember my brother too. Another brother, he was cleaning his car on Sunday, and my parents were like, "What are you doing? No way!" Right? We were very strict about that. So the way I grew up, it was very much a law. It was mm-hmm. part of the Ten Commandments. You broke the law if you did it, mm-hmm. and you did the least amount of work possible on Sunday. Yeah. And you went to church faithfully as well. That was part of it. So. Very legalistic. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. What, um, like, one of these questions here is like, you talked a little bit how we see it in scripture in like the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of how it shows up in the New Testament? Yeah, I think, um, in the Old Testament, it's actually, I do want to, I do want to stay in the Old Testament a little bit longer because yeah, I do want to say that, like, in the Old Testament, it was a reaction to the gods of its culture, but it was also like God showing how they're to live. And one of the things that one of the books I read talks about is that the Ten Commandments, the reason the Sabbath is listed as the fourth law is because it influences the rest of the laws in the Ten Commandments. Mm. That if you're Sabbathing well, you have a, you have a less chance of coveting, you have less chance of adultery, you have less chance of all these things because... Um, Sabbath is a resistance to commodification, which means that when you Sabbath, you're not about gaining possessions. You're not about controlling your life. Sabbath is an intentional practice of saying, this is yours, God. It's not necessary that I try and get what I want. I trust you. You've created this. You've enabled me to rest. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I can't just take what I want. Whereas the last half of the Ten Commandments is all about taking control from other people, murdering people, getting what you want. It's all about commodification. It's all about getting mm. what you want. And so the, there's something really profound about that that Brueggemann points out in his book, Sabbath is Resistance, the idea that um, in the Old Testament, Sabbath wasn't just like, oh, this is a good practice. God did it. You should do it. It's good for you to rest. No, it was like this enables you to live out the laws of God, this reflective um, trusting posture towards God, this restful posture towards God enables you not to buy into the lies of your culture, but also enables you not to desire things so much and to find contentment. 
uh, which is pretty profound in the Old Testament, right? And in the New Testament, we see Jesus do things like tell people like, hey, um, the Sabbath is not for, is not for um, God, it's for man, right? When he gets uh, criticized by the leaders of his time. I forget what passage that is. Let's think Mark 2, which says Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. And um, Jesus read on the Sabbath. He taught on the Sabbath. In fact, all of the disciples uh, would go into the synagogues and teach on Sabbath. Um, and he was a little more loose about it. Like in the New Testament, the Pharisees were really like, you can't do this or this or this. In fact, there was rules. They would they would hire people to, to turn on lamps that weren't Jews. They would... They would make sure you only walked a certain distance to the synagogue, much like I mentioned with those laws in the States. They were very strict. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, Sabbath is good as a way to honor God, but its primary function is to work on you as a human being, is to make you um, who God wants you to be. It's not meant to be a, a, a legalistic thing that, that shows your piety towards God. It's actually God's instrument that he uses to craft people. And so in the New Testament, Jesus really emphasizes that, which is true all along. Like, let's not get the idea that in the old, they did things one way and in the new, it's totally different. Mm. Jesus doesn't change the rule. Jesus simply clarifies the intent of the law, the heart mm. of the law, which was to create a, a restful posture, a, an operating out of rest for daily life, right? We They rested on the Sabbath so that the week they were operating out of that rest, and then they were more able to obey the heart of the law as a result of that rhythm. That's why he says the Sabbath is for man. Now, Paul expands on Sabbath, and the big debate was, for many of them, particularly when tension started to exist between Jews and Christians in the early church, you know, Jews would observe Sabbath on Saturday. That's the Old Testament law. It's the seventh day, right? And Christians, they celebrated Jesus' resurrection on Sunday. Now, originally, they probably would have done Saturday observance, but Paul makes clear in Romans 14, verse 5, that any day is fine. And in Colossians, um, the same argument is made, Colossians 2, verses 16 to 7, that any day, it doesn't matter what days you observe, as long as you do have a day, a Sabbath. So early Christians, right off the bat, Sunday was their early observance, because the Jews and Christians had tension with one another, and eventually the Jews said Christians are not allowed in their synagogues. So they had their own separate gatherings on Sunday. And then later in the empire post-New Testament, Constantine, a Christian, uh, an emperor who became Christian, made it law for the whole empire. So then we see a kind of a return to the Old Testament a little bit where people forgot the heart of it, they just knew it was a law. And we see that even in our modern culture. Mm. You know, we had those blue laws, and everybody saw that as legalism. And I would argue we've reacted too far the other way right. against the legalism. Mm-hmm. So that's the religious picture and a bit of the history. I know it's broader than what you asked. Yeah, for. no, no, no. It's like yeah, super interesting. I don't. I know I have like definitely the idea of like Sabbath as resistance is interesting. But even just to see like how extremely countercultural it always has been, because it seems very countercultural now to like oh, our. Oh yeah. But it's not. It's always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and both sides are wrong. Like, so the legalistic side that says you shouldn't work Sunday and gets really amped about that. And like, you know, my, my parents come to mind finger wagging about my brother buying fries. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a little excessive. The Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And particularly in our culture, like not in the time of Constantine, not in time of the Israel where they dominated their society and laws were based on the fact that the Israelites had land. We don't live in a culture anymore where we can impose our morality on the people around us. Like we're in a post-Christian nation, which means that, sure, we've been built on Christian morality, but 
for us to say, hey, nobody works on Sunday, they're like, okay, mm. buddy, like why? Because we're Christians doesn't mean we can impose our morality on other people who aren't Christian. Mm. So mm-hmm. Sabbath is tricky in our time because our culture is very Canaanite. Yeah. It's, it's very, it very much, in Egyptian, very much emphasizes productivity, working constantly. It's seen as a prize to be constantly working. You brag about how much you're working, right? And taking a day off that seems weak and like lazy in our modern culture. And even when we do take days off, we feed the flesh at those days off. Mm. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know where your questions are going with that, but I would I'd talk about that briefly too, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a tendency in, in Sabbath and the way I initially practice it. So just talking about my own experience with it, I initially rebelled my parents' Sabbath rules when I started going to Bible college and hearing from people who had different approaches to Sabbath. I was like, we don't have to do a Sunday thing where we're not working. And for pastors especially, you're working Sunday. So it's like, obviously, we don't need to worry about Sabbath. And in that institution, in a manual, people were like, well, you don't need a Sabbath. That's legalistic, et cetera. It's not still a law. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like, I would do my schoolwork and work all days of the week. Like I would just blast through it. And then I wonder why I'd be so exhausted and tired all the time. Right? <laughs> and to me, it felt like a freedom. It felt like, woohoo, I don't have to like shut mm. everything down for a day. And mm. like, I can just keep rolling and get stuff done because I'm an ambitious fellow, right? Mm. Um, but I remember clear as day near the end of my Bible college career, I had a moment where I felt convicted that, hey, actually Sabbath should be something a part of my life. Mm. And I had a bunch of papers due the next day. And I had, I had written half of some of them, but I hadn't written any of the one. And that's not like me. Usually I'm pretty like, but I'm like, eh, it'll probably be late anyway. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to Sabbath for a day, which is probably not actually altruistic, <laughs> probably just laziness and like hopelessness that, that motivated that decision. But I, I did. I didn't work that whole day. It was tough, but I didn't. And then, then the next day, Monday, I was like, I was firing all cylinders. I wrote those papers, some of the best papers I've ever written in that mm. in that undergrad. Like I was just on fire. Mm. And it was really eye-opening. And so for a season, part of Sabbath was was manipulation, where I like almost manipulated God to say, look, I know this Sabbath thing works and it's going to make me better. Mm-hmm. My motivations weren't to like trust in God, to find fulfillment in God, to find pleasure in God. My motivation was more like, this Sabbath thing works for productivity. Like it was still, <laughs> still in a sense, worshiping the gods of productivity yeah, where it was like, I just need to get after it. And this helps me get after it better. Uh-huh. So I just took Sabbath. So I'd be more productive in the week. And then, and then I went through a period where I rebelled that too. Like when I burnt out, I realized, okay, it's not all about productivity. It's, it's more than that. There's a restful piece. And initially when I practiced Sabbath, I, I, rested in the flesh, right? What I mean by that is like the whole day I just did nothing. Like I'd watch a series on Netflix and just binge watch it or play video games for a part of the day and like just do whatever the heck I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, it was totally unfulfilling. At the end of the day, I just felt like a bag of poop, right? Because if you're watching media all day or, or are not productive at all in any kind of way, um, especially in the culture I grew up in, which is a workaholic culture. Like I, my family, they're all would argue that's one of the biggest things we struggle with is workaholic tendencies. Um, so when you don't feel productive, that's worse. We're like, why am I doing mm. this? Right. And, and it was fleshly. It was like, I was too tired to think or be spiritual. I just wanted to just chill. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that one, if I'm honest, that's the lane I stay in more often now. It used mm. to be that it was like a legalism thing. 
and there was a season of that post burnout. When you when you burn out, you create these boundaries. And so one of the legalisms I did was like, I'm not working Mondays. I'm not talking to anybody, not answering texts, not answering phone calls, literally just hanging out with my family. I still keep that fairly well. Um, and so for a season, it was just like fencing, you know, mm. where it was like, this is going to happen legalistically because I know it's good for me, but not really taking advantage of the day to the best extent. And then for a season, it was just like feeding the flesh. And only recently... You know, have I started to figure out more like, okay, for me, I need to be intentional about the spiritual component too, mm. right? Like a normal person's Sabbath, the reason Sunday is a normal person's Sabbath is because that starts them off spiritually mm. and that focuses them spiritually. That's not to say there's no play, there's no um, interaction with family, there's no fun, but there is this acknowledgement that Sabbath is about a focus on God. So true spiritual Sabbath is like, very um, spiritually intentional, not in a legalistic, overburdensome way, but oriented towards God mm-hmm. and saying, you know, if we're really embracing what the heart of Sabbath is, it's it's marinating in who God is and relying on him and acknowledging our place in the world in light of his place in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. I'm getting ahead of myself probably. No, it's great. No, this is so good. And as you're talking, I'm just like, whoa, God, like this is actually a gift from you. Like that he actually invites us to worship him. Yeah. <laughs> that he actually invites us to like enjoy him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that this day is actually for our good. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when you actually do Yeah. I really relate to you and uh, um, yeah. Like upbringing and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was a set of rules that, yeah. that you followed and then that was it. Um, but I'm curious, what does, how do you practice Sabbath right now? Like what would a given Sabbath look like for you in this season of life? Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the fleshly part that, like I said, is more prone to just wanting to do nothing but veg. Yeah. But I think, um, and Peter Cesaro mentions this in his book too, but he, he talks about how the Jewish rabbi that he followed around, uh, did Sabbath, and it was like Thanksgiving every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I grew up with, too. Like, my family, when we hung out as a kid, one of the good things about it that I didn't recognize was, like, family was huge. Mm-hmm. You just hung out, you ate food, you prayed, and you had 3 o'clock chips time in the afternoon. That yes. was a big thing, Sundays. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it was, like, refreshing. You knew that there was no work required of you. It was like, mm-hmm. and you got to enjoy each other. Now, when you're a kid and you have five annoying brothers who beat you up, you're, uh, you're a little less enjoy. There's a little less enjoyment sometimes. But the point is simply that for me, currently, my Sabbath is enjoying my family. Mm. Like, I will make the priority of my family. And that's actually true to original Sabbath. Original Sabbath is enjoying what God has given you and recognizing, like, the resistance part, right? Like, recognizing that the world doesn't need you to, mm-hmm. to, to work constantly. It can do a lot without you and most things without you. So there's this enjoying the gifts God's given you that... that that fights against covetousness, right? Like that commodification where you're making everything a commodity that you need to get. Mm-hmm. That gratefulness, that gratitude that comes with Sunday, that 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 hanging out with family, that Sabbath is is a is a uh, it stirs up gratitude in your heart towards God, mm-hmm. and it's a reflective posture. So for me, like yeah, hanging out with family, I often find myself doing a prayer walk in the evening or sitting on my front porch just looking out at, at the trees and the little cornfield that's <laughs> kitty corner. Like for me, it's it's this posture of restful mm-hmm. gratitude um, and, and some prayer time. And yeah, there's a bit of play because Sabbath is play too. Like there's nothing that, that um, 
stirs up joy as much as as recognizing that your God is so big and so in control that you can play mm. without without guilt that you're not producing enough for him, without guilt that you're not doing enough for him, but just play. That you've literally got permission from the God of the universe to play, mm. which is so counterintuitive for me yeah. as a workaholic person. Um, so, yeah, I goof off with my kids. I wrestle with them or I play some video games or I... I just do things that I want to do. I take a nap in the afternoon. That's another one. So there's rest. And and that actually fits some of the categories that Scazzaro talks about and and um, um, Brueggemann. But he's, he's, he lists four things that Sabbath is about. He says it's, you know, spiritual discipline, like it's intentional resting and intentional focusing on God. He says that it's um, resistance, right? Resisting this, this consumerist commodification culture. Uh, and then he says it's play and he says it's revelation. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that, you know, one of the reasons there's such a spiritual deficit in Christians today is we have neglected Sabbath because often God speaks in those moments of quiet enjoyment, mm-hmm. in those moments of quiet peace. Like my gratitude for my children or the message that God has for me with my children, when I'm just sitting with them, hanging out with quietly and enjoying rest, not feeling pressured to do something. Like sometimes I get a revelation about my daughter and the Lord will say something like, I have plans for her to do this. Or in my in my time just resting, God will say an encouraging word to me about what I do. Mm. The interesting thing is I feel the lowest about myself when I'm working my tail off. Mm. When I think I'm earning f- approval from God, when I think I'm working hard for God, that's actually when I feel the lowest about what I've called to do. Mm. The moments I feel the most comfortable in who I am is when I am resting in God on my Sabbath. Because... It's in those pockets where I realize my identity in Christ is not in my ability to do things. It's in being with Christ. It's just being in his presence Mm. as a child. Like that playfulness and that understanding of you being a child of God in the lap of God are two hand-to-hand things. There's just an inherent trust in Sabbath that you you have a hard time getting if you don't observe it because it becomes, um, or if you observe it wrongly, because it becomes like... Sabbath can either become a chore that you need to do to tick off a list or your work comes a chore that needs to become something that you need to do to tick off a list. And you're so busy with that that you're not in a reflective state. Mm -hmm. And the most spiritual growth happens, most spiritual disciplines happen in that quiet, reflective state. To get Calvinist on you, because you know that's Bart's <laughs> MO. Let's do it. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism, which is one of the creeds um, or one of the confessions my denomination embraces, it's structured in a, in a threefold pattern. It starts with the fall, so the need for redemption. It's, it moves to, um, well, and actually the better titles are um, guilt. It starts with our guilt and our sinful brokenness and the fall in, in the Garden of Eden. Uh, grace, Jesus died on the cross, redeems you cleanses you, makes you new, and it ends with gratitude. And everything we do is a response of gratitude towards God's grace. That's how Mm -hmm. that's structured. And Sabbath is like the epitome of that, where it's like you are able to reflect on God's goodness and grace and the brokenness he's redeemed you from so much that your heart wells up with gratitude. And Sabbath is the outflow of that gratitude. Mm -hmm. It's relishing that gratitude for all that God's done, not because of your merit, not because of your ability. It's like a, it's an outworking of gratitude towards God. Hmm. Yeah. It, I think as I learn more over the last, like say year, I'll call it about Sabbath. Cause we did a book last year um, and Sabbath was part of it. And I was sort of challenged a little bit. And I think something for me out of my misunderstanding of Sabbath, like I think I was like, I don't really understand why I need a Sabbath because it's like, 
I'm single. I don't have a family. Like when I talk to families and they're like finding time to just pause is so hard. Whereas I'm like most weekends, like I, I have gaps to like spend time with people, which is like joy giving for me and whatever. And I'm not like, you know, it's not like a struggle for me to have downtime. Like when I come home from work, like, yes, I can do schoolwork, but I also can just, I can do those things. And so I think I, I sometimes put up like a resistance because it's like, I don't really need this. Like I'm not in a stage where I'm going to take off the day to spend time with my family or whatever. Cause it's just me. Um, but like this posture of saying like, what does it actually look like? Even if not everything changes necessarily, like it could stay similar to how it is, but the like posture of actually like inviting God into that space and actually offering like those, that time to God as like a way to, and also thinking again too, of like, what of this is actually life giving and delight and enjoying the things that he's given me. And what of it is just like, you're just sort of going through the motions because it's the weekend or like whatever. So it's been like a, a conviction for me to even think about like what a Sabbath look like in a season of my life. Um, There's an intentionality there that isn't just like, mm-hmm. oh, I have free time. If Sabbath yeah. is just free time, <laughs> then don't do a Sabbath. You can find pockets throughout the week. Sabbath yeah. is intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like something that, yeah, is is yeah interesting to – convicting for me to even think about like what does that look like to actually – yeah, be thoughtful and mindful and intentional about what that looks like. Um, why do you think it's so important to Sabbath? The biggest reason is it is the only way. It's a it's a it's um it's a, a barrier or a way to to I think the resistance part that's talked about is big to understand yourself in light of your culture. Like there are some people who will pay people to think in their forty hours a week just to spend time thinking because they rightly understand that a reflective posture usually enables really great creative insights Mm -hmm. and also enables, um, you know, more efficiency because you understand how to do things. And again, we don't want to commodify Sabbath and say, well, this makes you more productive. This makes you better. But I think the reason we do at the beginning of the week is because it allows us to rightly frame our week. Mm. If we're working the other six days out of a posture of humility, acknowledging that God's got this without us, out of a posture of like finding rest in God, we're likely going to be working with better motivations than we would if we just worked. Mm. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's the appropriate reframing of how we think, especially in light of this culture. Mm. And a lot of people that talk about Sabbath and say, don't be on social media because you're naturally going to get pulled into commodification or consumerism mm. when you're in the media or those, those busy kind of, restless cycles like restlessness is the opposite of what sabbath should be like if you're sabbathing and you're restless the whole time Mm. then god needs to do some significant work on your heart to make you not restless Mm. because restlessness is a symptom of you buying into that consumeristic commodification driven culture so it 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 reorients your heart and your mind to appropriately face your week with the right motivations. Now I can talk about all these things ethereally or as an idea, mm-hmm. but it's so much harder to live out. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not great at it all the time either. Like I can't count how many times on a Sunday night I look at my emails when I shouldn't to pray mm-hmm. for the week or Monday night. My, my, my Sabbath would be Monday. But I, I actually think it's crucial. And you know, just on a side note, just look at our culture. Now maybe you guys are a bit young for this, and I'm not saying I'm that much older, but I do remember... You know, when businesses were shut down on Sundays, and you might too, and Al Meyer's a little bit more slow in that yes. role. Uh, where I grew up, King Carton is quite, um, it moved quicker because there's a lot of people from the plant and stuff, and they came in from the city. Mm. So, But, you know, 
remembering what life was like where there was a day off on Sunday um, and just the community opportunities I had. Anytime I hung out with friends as a kid, it was Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. Anytime I built community or, or um, just enjoyed life and creation, it's always Sunday. Like enjoying the gifts of God were Sundays. And one of the things you grieve when the culture no longer widely stipulates that Sundays is the day to do that is who's holding anybody accountable mm. for any of that stuff. And, and do we find people spending as much time being social? Like, I actually think Sabbath affects everything. So, mm-hmm. so I actually think, you know, if you're not Sabbathing well, I would argue your ability to be relational is diminished as well. Mm-hmm. Because if I think about myself, I don't want to hang out with people when I'm tired. And if I'm not rested well, I won't. Like, you need, one of the biggest things in our culture is if we want to be genuinely light to, to people around us, and serve people around us. We need the emotional energy and capacity to do that. Mm. And we need the opportunity to do that. And Sunday was like that opportunity. If, if we look at how the culture shifted where everybody's busy all the time and everybody's schedules is all over the map, there's no accountability and there's no unifi- universal understanding that we can be, abide with one another on a day. And I think the church, you know, if I was coaching my church, like, and if anybody from my church would listen to this podcast, they probably won't. They don't even know I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I do hope to preach on it one day and say, you know, it's not, it's, I don't want us to be in a place where we, we make it universal where the culture has to pick a day because we don't want to impose our values on other people. But I would love for our church to say, you know what, Sunday's going to be our Sabbath. Like it doesn't work for me because I'm a pastor, but I would rather us kind of have a day where we can hold each other accountable mm-hmm. and where there's an understanding that we revel in the gifts of God on a day together. Because mm-hmm. the other element of, of some of the individualism of our culture that we're railing against with Sabbath is we, when we don't collectively observe a day, we don't get to enjoy that day together. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get to rest and revel in one another together. Everybody does it individualistically, which again is a selfish motivation, right? Mm. Like I think it's, I think it might be better for churches to say, for the most of us, we should observe this on Sunday. Of course, there's going to be exceptions and we're not going to be legalistic about that. But then you get to revel in creation. And one of the best things to revel in is one of the things that God's created in his image, people. Mm. So even for the single person, right? You mentioned this with family. The intentionality of, of, of reveling in God's creation with friends should still accompany your Sabbath. Mm. Like it's not meant to be monastic. Be <laughs> off by yourself and just... Because that could get pretty life-sucking depending on who you are. Now, if you're a rabid introvert, you're probably like, that's my dream. I'll <laughs> take the day and just be by myself, right? But mm. I think it it addresses some of the, the social vacuum. I think that's one of the biggest things. Like mm-hmm. I think however you slice it, whether you hang out with people on that day or you hang out with people another day, that emotional energy that comes from Sabbath mm-hmm. spills into everything mm-hmm. and enables you to be community better. And I'm convinced, and maybe I'm just a, a loser with my social life, but I think, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm convinced like the reason sometimes that I'm not more hanging out with my friends more or not more social is because I haven't rested well. Mm. And because we all observe Sabbaths differently and we're all really individualistic and selfish about that instead of saying it serves other purposes too. Mm-hmm. And maybe even just like mindful about what is life giving. Because I think when you mm-hmm. when you're in the mode of like sort of resting from exhaustion versus yeah. like resting for what's to come too, it's like it's so much easier to just crash. And then it's like you're just trying to catch up and you're not actually doing the things that are super life-giving. And so when you're more intentional even about like what is actually going to restore you, um, mm. yeah, that's yeah. 
lot to it. Yeah, it's definitely better to do the cart before. <laughs> yeah. Instead of doing it the other way around, for sure. I, yeah, I'm not perfect at it. Like, it's hard to do. But Sabbath is a beautiful gift that I would vote we we become more intentional about in our society mm. collectively, too, mm. for accountability and whatnot. Mm. You've already <laughs> talked about it this a little bit, but for you personally, how has God formed you through practicing Sabbath over the years? Well, you guys have known me for years, so you've probably seen it. But it's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, the hurried pace mm. and, like, the the taking for granted of the little things. Like, my first number of years in ministry, I took for granted my wife. I took for granted... Um, the simple pleasures in life, mm-hmm. nature, walks, like uh, resting, enjoying those things. Like to me, it was like, I could do that when I'm dead or when I'm, <laughs> you know, feeble or old. Like I, I just figured I was just a go-getter and, mm. and there was good in that too. But I think it's made me appreciate the little things, right? Like it, even that answer I gave at the beginning about being on the back porch, hanging mm-hmm. out with a friend for the day, that's informed by Sabbath mm-hmm. because it, it, that regular practice of it made me realize what's important. Mm. It reprioritized what I value way more than anything else has. Like, obviously, as a way that God's worked in my life, right? Like, man, those pockets where it's not even just with the kids, but that's part of it. Like, when those pockets, when you're with family on those Sundays, if I think of my childhood too, some of my best memories are in that time. And I started to realize, why is that? Well, there was an intentionality about rest that made me realize what is truly important, mm. you know? And that's why the phone thing's part of it too, because it distracts you from what's important, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're really good about that. I know I've texted you before on a Monday and be like, "Hi, is it okay if I can?" Like you have to, I that's tough to set boundaries where you're like, "Hi, I'm on Sabbath right now." And no, I'll get back the to secret you is, is I'm just a jerk and won't respond anyway. No, <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. No, no, I you're right. Yeah, but. You yeah. tried texting me on a Monday and I haven't responded. Or no, you actually, I've done it before where you've, you've, you've said, Hey, can I get back to you on this tomorrow when I'm done my Sabbath? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Most people would be like, ah, I could just send this little thing, but yeah, yeah that's like a lot of intentionality. Well, and unfortunately for me, I learned the hard way that the intentionality had to happen, right? Mm-hmm. That was probably more in my legalistic phase about it because you're like, man, I've done this so wrong. I got to nail this down. Mm. And I mean, mm. you probably could have like a bunch of things, but what are some resources that you found helpful along the way or like things that you would recommend to people if they want to learn more about Sabbath? Yeah, I definitely talked about them both already. The biggest mm-hmm. two that were on my mind recently are Sabbath is Resistance um, and and that's by Brueggemann. And then um, Scazzaro does a book on the emotionally healthy leaders mm-hmm. and he has a chapter in there on Sabbath that I think is really practical. Um I mean, there's a number of spiritual disciplines books that talk about Sabbath too that are really helpful. But what I don't like about the spiritual discipline, like people talk about Sabbath as spiritual discipline, I lean towards spiritual dis- Sabbath as, as law in the sense that not mm. not like an oppressive law. But you know how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is like, no longer is it okay to murder, it's not okay to hate. Like mm. the whole intention of that law from the start was the issue, the hard issue of hate, right? Like no longer is adultery just about sleeping with someone. It's about looking at someone lustfully, right? Like the whole intention of the law was that heart when you lusted after them, etc. Sabbath, I see it that way. Jesus mm. talks about the heart of Sabbath, but that doesn't remove the rule. I actually am one of those rare Christians who would probably say that you're not honoring God if you are not Sabbathing. I would call it more of a rule than a spiritual discipline. So I mm. buck against it being categorized as a spiritual discipline a little bit, um, personally. And I'm probably this 
smarter people than me that are probably like, you're so wrong. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and they'll mention Act 15 where, you know, certain stipulations are required, yada, yada. But the categories I see about law are like there's ritual, purity law, and there's um, moral law, and then there's uh, sacrificial law. And I think the moral law still involves the Sabbath. Mm. I think it's still important. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about Sabbath? I feel like all of these things are so, they're so big, right? Like mm. how do you narrow it? narrow it down but is are there any final thoughts when it comes to sabbath yeah i think don't make the mistakes i did with it where i commodified it Mm. and saw it as an instrument i could use to be more efficient don't fall into the trap of feeding the flesh with Mm. it where it's just like i'm gonna do nothing and i have permission to do nothing because actually it's more it's more healthy it's not even just it's not even just feeding the flesh and just chilling it's more healthy. Like I'm more Mm. energized if I treat it appropriately. That doesn't mean I have to pray the whole day or be spiritual. But if I say it, the Lord, beginning of the day, Lord, help everything I do be an expression of my gratitude for you Mm. today. That really helps orient it well. Mm. Um, And then also I would, I would also avoid the mistake of being hyper-legalistic with it. I think if you're like Sabbath is nuts, you're stupid for even be, being like I could even touch broach that subject, or you're one of those people that you're listening to this and you're like I don't even know how I could even touch that. Start small, mm-hmm. maybe six, maybe twelve hours. Move towards twenty-four, mm. and trust God in the process. It's like tithing, right? Like in the Bible, it says you know that the Israelites so long neglected the tithe, and God says, "Don't neglect the tithe. Let the tithe come into my storehouses." test me in this. It's one of the only things God says, test me in this. And mm-hmm. what he's saying is, look, there's blessing when there's obedience. Mm-hmm. And and Sabbath is the same. When you take the risk, you don't know how it can be done, and you jump in to Sabbath, it's one of those things where I think the Lord would say something similar. I want to put my words in his mouth, but I think he'd be like, watch what happens if you start practicing this. Mm-hmm. Watch how much more blessed you feel when you practice this mm. and be gracious with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've done it where I've answered the text and doesn't do what I did with Ainsley and actually responded when I shouldn't have, <laughs> you know, like I've been there and you, instead of writing off the rest of the day and being like, well, I guess I'm just going to work for the rest of the day, <laughs> you know, being intentional about saying, no, mm. Lord, help me to return to the idea that, that I, that I'm not that crucial to the world mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. That ties in so well with like, cause our title for this like season is rhythms of grace. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like rhythms that God has given us, but it's all like his grace. And like, as we practice these things, his gifts and his blessing that comes with it. It's not about the, the legalism, but about mm-hmm. the invitation to just greater, yeah. greater life and fullness in what he's created us to be in oh. practicing these things. Amen. I mean, that's just, and that, like I said, I mentioned that Calvinistic thing, that Heidelberg Catechism. That idea was life-changing for me. That mm. it used to be like we got the, I believed, oh, we, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Now we just need to be good little Christians so that we please him. Mm. So wrong. We, we, so, we should be so, if we're, not, if we're struggling to live the way God wants us to live in Sabbath or any area of our lives, the prayer needs to be, Lord, make me understand your son's sacrifice and just how beautiful the gift of grace is so that I can't help but out of gratitude live the way you want me to live. Mm. That's the life-living way to live out any law, and Sabbath is one of them. Mm. How do I behave morally? How do I embrace Sabbath? Lord, fill me with an appreciation for what your son did on the cross for me. Mm. And out of that, may gratitude cause me to be obedient in this area. Mm.
That's so good. Okay, <laughs> I have one final question before our final, final question. Sure. For somebody listening to this, and Sabbath is, they're listening to this and like Sabbath, this is the first time they're hearing about it. Um, what are maybe a couple of questions that you would encourage them to kind of reflect on to get started? Really like practically. In the Sabbath, on their Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. I love the question, Lord, what do you have for me today? And mm. not in like, the, oh, what do you want me to do today? Like, Lord, what is it you want to teach my heart today? Mm. Right? And for me, often when I ask that question, the Lord's saying, appreciate your family and your your kids. Mm. And when I was single, appreciate the opportunity to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like um, sometimes the Lord's answer is sleep in. And Sundays and Sabbaths particularly, the answer is beautiful. Like mm. almost always when you're asking God, what do you have for me today? That day is literally permission to rest. So if you are doing everything as an expression of your love for God on your Sunday and you're saying, God, what do you have for me today? Pretty sure the Lord will often tell you, enjoy the walk, enjoy the leaves, mm. and, like life-giving things. Mm. That's a good question to start with. Um, and I think gratitude, like I really harped on that point, but like one of the things I will do too is if I'm feeling low or feeling a temptation to commodify or feeling a temptation to do something else, I, I, I try and coach my mind to be grateful for the things to say, I'm going to make a choice to be grateful. And, and then third, um, praying that God would make clear, um, just how powerful his grace is. Like that's all interconnected. So sometimes for me, if I'm really, if my Sabbath started off bad by me yelling at a kid or doing something stupid, sinful, sometimes the prayer for me on my Sabbath says, Lord, may this not change the trajectory of the day. Help me to really mm. live in your grace. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Final question. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? Ugh. I <laughs> nice saw that and question yeah, and I didn't easy. know how to answer that. I still don't. I, <laughs> I, um, the best piece of advice I've been given. Or some good advice you've been given in like the last year or something recently. I, I'm the needy guy that gets advice a lot. I think the best advice that I've been marinating on recently is to work for an audience of one. Mm. Like when you're a lead pastor, right? Like everybody's got an opinion about how things are. Now this this church at this point, nobody's really verbalized that. Everybody really likes you at the start. They think you're the bee's <laughs> knees. And then I always tell them, just give, them, give it a few months, guys. You'll see the real, <laughs> real shadow side of Bart. But, you know, in my heart, sometimes I feel this pull as I do ministry to be like, oh, this person says I should do this, and he's a pretty influential person. I should start doing that. Instead of being like, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What are you doing here? And actually, I had an instance recently where somebody shared something with me, and it was a little disheartening. And and my mentor asked me, well, did you ask the person what God's doing in this scenario? And I think that's a beautiful question to be asking regularly, mm. right? Like, we talked about being your Sabbath, God, what do you have for me today? But another question you ask is, in any given moment, God, what are you doing right now? Show me what you're doing. I think that's a great piece of advice because mm-hmm. it fills you with excitement and then it, it, it targets you with how to live, how to partner with the Holy Spirit to move in a direction. Good stuff. Mm. This has been super, yeah, I mean, insightful and convicting in a good way, but also just, yeah, I mean, even this like tie of the like culture in the Old Testament that you talked about and stuff, super helpful. So thank you. Not original. Brueggemann. That book's awesome. It's okay. It's okay. You taught it well. You taught it well. Your gifts are shining. (laughs) Yeah. And even just to have you come on here and just, yeah, even share about your like struggle with it too. Like this has also been like a a journey and formation and constant like 
oh, change in your season too. Like I said, redoing this has been super convicting. I'm like, oh, I've definitely <laughs> leaned into some of these categories, right? Yeah, so, we're allowed to be first. So thank you for joining us again on the podcast. This is fourth time, fourth time on the fourth podcast. Time. Thanks for having me. I love this podcast. It's awesome. So it's always a joy to be here. thanks so much for joining us as we practice rhythms of grace together we would love to hear what god is teaching you through this season so please share your journey with us on instagram or facebook at just work friends and until next monday bye-bye